Hello, welcome to the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. So glad you could join me here today. If this is your first time, welcome. If you've been here before, welcome back. I think you're going to really enjoy this episode, episode 28. I speak with nutrition coach Jacqueline Riccio Stover. Jacqueline specializes in helping people who've been failed by food banning, life-restricting approaches to weight management. We talk about her approach to imperfect eating and how imperfect eating can help you lose weight, keep it off, and heal your relationship with food. Let's go. Jacqueline, hello. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so glad you could be here. So joining me here today, guys, is Jacqueline Riccio Stover. Did I get that right? You did. Awesome. Jacqueline, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody and we'll go from there. Awesome. Yeah. So I am a certified health and life coach and my specialty is really helping women um, who've been casualties of Whole30 and other restrictive diets really learn how to stop obsessing, which just causes binging and really start enjoying food and life again. Um, yeah. So look, when I hear you say that in my mind, there's got to be a really good story behind that. So <laughs> let, let's hear the story. Right. That didn't right. come from nowhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like we get into the things that we're interested in because it's something that we personally struggled with and we don't want to see other people go through that struggle or, Mm, help them minimize that struggle and see like life doesn't have to be a struggle right it just doesn't but actually I think that that was kind of the the narrative that I had in my head about anything and everything is that it was a struggle that um anything that you're going to be able to you know be successful at like that, that there was a struggle and then it's not to say that challenge like challenges are important and we learn things from that but like, it shouldn't be so hard. Like whatever you're doing shouldn't be so hard that you're miserable the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you're like just waiting for that break and just like, you know, and I think this about our careers, <laughs> like if you're, if you hate your career Monday through Friday, and you're just like, Oh my gosh, I just need that Saturday and Sunday or with your diet, the way that you're eating, if you're like, Oh, I just need it to be day 31 mm. you're waiting for like those breaks. There's something wrong. Like something is not right. Like this shouldn't be a struggle like that for your whole life. That's a definite sign to you. That's a definite <laughs> clue that something is not right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard because I think that we think like, no, I'm supposed to go through this hard thing and then get the reward. Um, but so basically I like both of those things. Um, I was in a career that I really was not enjoying. I used to be a teacher. Um, and that was like what I went to college for. I got my master's in education. I was supposed to be doing this. I was supposed to be a teacher. And I was just, I was miserable. I wasn't taking care of myself. I had like 34 kids, 34 kindergartners. Um, oh my gosh, 34 yeah. kindergartners. No wonder you weren't enjoying yourself. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. It should be like 18. Oh, it really should. It really, <laughs> really should. For their safety. For, yeah, it just, it should. But so I always had these like giant classrooms and I was miserable and I didn't know how to take care of myself. And I was always, you know, like taking care of other people. But if you don't take care of yourself, like you do a shitty job of taking care of other people. Like it doesn't, it's not possible to take care of other people if you're 
if you're tired all the time and you're, um, you know, just not happy. So that was my career for several years where I was like, I was just waiting for the weekend and I was like waiting for the summer and, you know, doing the best that I could, but just no one ever taught me in my twenties. No one ever taught me, here's how to take care of yourself. No one ever said that. Um, I remember I used to get emails from like my principal, like, make sure you take care of yourself because we can't have you missing a day of school because it'll cost money to get a sub. But it wasn't this like, hey, take care of yourself because you're important and like your life and your body matters, you know? It was all about money. And it was about what you could do for other people, not about yeah. the fact that you just inherently deserve a healthy, happy life. Right. Right. And I get it. Like that's, you know, it, it is important to help other people. Like I do see that as like, you know, one of the things that is important to me, but it's like, but also no, like I'm important, just me on my own. And one of the things that you're able to do is help other people. But so it was just like really hard circumstances, really hard environment. And I gained weight. Like I was stress eating, like the happiest part of my day was um, I would stop at a McDonald's before I got into the highway and I always kept like a couple single single dollar bills in my car to get like dollar french fries and like, you know, 11 cents or whatever it was. But I always kept money in my car for that. And that was the happiest part of my day is getting french fries. And then I would hop on the highway and I would get home and I probably hadn't eaten anything all day long because I don't know, I don't know how to take care of myself. And then I would get home and then we just had junk food. Um, I was also like in a new relationship and like had first lived, was living in a city. So there's just like all these other variables, but it was like, I just started eating anything and everything. Like my boyfriend, he's not my husband, but at the time he was like, here's how to fry your own um, uh, fried Oreos. And here's how to make your own like French fries. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> So we're eating all of this crap. I didn't know anything and I didn't know that like that stuff is making my body feel worse. So like this thing that I'm trying to do to help myself, like food was the the happiest part of my day. It was um, helping myself for like five seconds and then ultimately making myself feel worse and worse. Um, like my mental health, physical health. Like I think I gained about like 20, 30 pounds at that time and that just like put me you know more into this like oh i feel disgusting but also not knowing like i didn't know what the alternative was i didn't know anything about um healthy eating at the time i didn't know like like i i remember i'd be like oh i'm being healthy because like we order a pizza and i'd have like spinach as the topping instead of pepperoni I'd be like oh it's healthy <laughs> like yeah. it's a vegetable it's but a i vegetable. didn't i didn't know anything and so i got into the complete opposite, which was whole 30. So I went from like this 180, like, well, I don't know how to eat anything. And I remember seeing like ads on Facebook or something. I don't remember how I got across it, but I was like, I probably should do that because this is like hardcore. It's disciplined. This will, this will really mold me into being a better eater. Jacqueline, could you explain for people who have heard the Whole30, they've heard that name, but they don't know what it is. Could you kind of summarize like what does a, doing a Whole30 entail? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that the it's very strict and that's what appealed to me. So it is 30 days of clean eating. And when you're like, you hear that, like, oh, okay, that sounds, you know, that sounds all right. And it's um, you, when you're building a plate, so your breakfast, lunch, and dinner will be half a plate will be vegetables. Um, like a quarter of the plate is protein and then like a thumb size of fat. 
And so when you hear those things, you're like, well, that sounds, you know, that sounds pretty healthy, but it's like, that's it. Like that is all you're allowed to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If you are going to have a snack, your snack should, according to the rules, be just a mini version of that. Um, so no dairy, no sugar, um, no grains, no, I mean, anything that's not a veggie protein and, um, fat. And then also like, don't recreate things. Like, don't be like, oh, I'm going to make this, um, like, I don't know, like a cauliflower bread or something, or like, don't make like a paleo pancake or don't, um, don't make like a healthy version of a dessert. Like there should be no dessert in your day. It should just be breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay. So no dessert at all. No Mm -hmm. even pretend dessert. No pretend dessert. And so I really got like indoctrined into this cult. Like I really, it's so random, but like we just started watching like all these documentaries about cults and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the exact same stuff that a cult uses to like get you into, you know, their beliefs. It was like the same stuff with food. Tell me about that. Like what? Like, just like, like, these are the rules. If you don't follow the rules, basically like you're a sinner, you, you know, you could be outcast. And so the other thing about whole 30 is that you're supposed to do it for 30 days straight. If you get to day five and you're eating a salad and your salad dressing has sugar in it and you find out you have to start over on day one. And I, there were like, I was in like Facebook groups about this and like people would be so hardcore about this and be like, you need to start over. Like you messed up. I know. And, but at the time I was just like, you're right. I did mess up. Like I have, like, I have to do better. I have to do better. I just didn't know. Like I didn't know for myself, like that, like, no, this is not, this is like not thinking for myself. Right. Like it was very much about just follow the guru's rules about eating and they know more about your body than you know just follow their rules and you will you know you'll I don't know be transformed at the end of this month and um and the thing is is that like we when I did it the first time I felt amazing like oh my gosh like I my skin was so clear I think that I hadn't worn like jeans, like denim jeans. Um, I hadn't worn them for like three or four years because they hurt on my skin. And so that first month, I don't, I think I lost like five pounds or something like that. But I just also remember being like, wow, I feel amazing. I have so much energy. My body doesn't hurt like inflammation. Like I don't hurt. Like this is amazing. Those are all good things. Yeah. Like, of course. And then if you think about it, it's like, well, yeah, if all you were eating before was like French fries and, and fried, fried Oreos <laughs> and spinach on your pizza. And now you're going to the exact opposite where you're having none of those things. Of course, you're going to feel amazing. Um, but what happened was it became very apparent that what do you do when you're done with the whole 30? It's not really clear. Like, it's like, well, how do I live life? Because there was very much this oh my gosh, I'm so afraid to eat any of those foods now because I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose how great I'm feeling. And then also, well, how do I go to a birthday party? Like how, like, what do I do? You know, my, my work caters lunch. Like, do I just, I don't ever get to eat this food or like my family's Italian. We're talking about this. Um, and it was like, so do I just never eat pasta for the rest of my life? Like, Uh, yeah, that's it. No more pasta. Yeah. Like, 
um, now what? And so there were like things like, you know, reintroduce these foods. But I would say in the communities that I was in, everyone that finished the Whole30 was just like, basically afraid of doing anything else. Like, I don't want to eat pasta now because if I eat pasta, I'm going to go back to feeling how I used to feel, which was crummy. So it was very much this like black and white, like either I'm going to eat like crap or I'm going to eat perfectly, mm. but I don't know what the thing is in between. And I also don't feel like, like looking back, I can realize like I didn't, I did not develop the, develop the like, um, processing the thinking like like how to choose for my own body all I knew were these rules of like veggie protein and fat and I didn't know anything else right so there was no thinking that then could prepare you for mm. making choices about this middle so you were it had this false dichotomy of mm -hmm. you're all in eating just those nutritious foods or you were living in Oreo and French fry land and that middle part, you didn't have any tools to navigate that at the time. Nothing. And I think there, you know, there were times that I would like try to like, okay, like it's okay. I can, you know, I'll try to have this, but it was like this immediate sense of guilt. Like if I ate something mm. that wasn't whole 30 approved and it's like, I don't know the creator of whole 30, but I just imagine her looking at me and being like, mm, Jacqueline, are you supposed to be eating that? Like, mm. Mm are you sure that's worth that? Like that was one of the questions you were supposed to ask yourself. If you looked at food that wasn't Whole30 approved, like ask yourself, is it really worth it? And that question tormented me because it would be like, that question really just set me up to be like, you're right. If I eat this, like this is the language that's going through my head, the thoughts. If I eat this food that's not Whole30 approved, I'm probably going to binge and then feel crummy. So it was like, okay, I don't want that to happen. Or that was like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It was like, well, I just mm. gave myself permission. Now I'm going to eat this thing. I'm going to overeat it. And I'm going to feel like crap. I'm going to go back to feeling how I did. And so it's like, what do you do result to resolve this? You do another whole 30. <laughs> you do another whole 30, you know, buckle down for 30 days and do it again. And so that went on for, I think around like two years, where it was like, I would do a whole 30 feel amazing the 30 days and then feel crummy and like try to do another one. And, and it was just like, this is okay. This is just my life. Like other people know how that was the other thing too. I was like, other people might not, might know how to do moderation, but anytime I try to do moderation, I always mess up. And I always, you know, I always just have to keep coming back to whole 30. Like whole 30 is the only way I know how to eat healthy. Mm. And again, and so do you think that most, I mean, from my experience, mm -hmm. talking to people who have experience with whole 30, they do constantly return to do another mm -hmm. round of whole 30 and another round of whole 30. Is that the typical MO of being somebody who yeah. works with a lot of people who have been through whole 30? Is that what you see as well? That they come through a whole 30 and there's not a next step, like, right. um, like a jumping off point, but it's just this continual round of now I feel bad and I'm going to do another one. The solution is always another round. Is that right. what you see? Because you're always going back to, but I felt amazing on that first whole 30, right? Cause the first time it is really easy. Like it's new, it's a novelty. It's like, Oh, like, you know, I get to just, like try these new foods and I'm like learning something and I'm like excited. I have this motivation. And so you always want to get back to that first time that you did it. Cause you felt, you know, you felt amazing. Mm -hmm. And so you're just like grasping at that. But like, I just feel like every time I did one, it got worse and worse. It got harder and harder. And 
when I work with clients, yes, that's usually they'll, they'll try to keep doing it. They feel that, or they're like, let me go to keto. Like Mm. they'll go, they'll find another one. They're like, okay, you know, whole 30 worked for a certain point, but mm, you know, maybe, maybe this is what I need. So there's never this like, well, how do we think for ourselves? Like, how do we think for our bodies and our lifestyles and where we live and our cultures? Like, how do we do that? It's just the, well, I tried whole 30 and then I tried keto. Um, you know, I'll just, I'll do another program instead of like, well, how do, like no one ever teaches you that you can, um, make choices for yourself, but you have no evidence. Like you think like, well, no, in the past, every time I've made choices for myself, I picked the fried Oreos and I've done like awful things for myself. Right. Mm. Like you have no evidence that you can think for yourself and make smart choices. And do you think that's why so many of us, myself included in the past, really seek out these restrictive rule-based diets because we just don't trust that there's anything else that we personally can handle? Yeah. We have no evidence. Like we have Mm. no evidence that we can trust ourselves, right? There, um, and the, the hard thing is that in order to create that evidence and in order to create that trust in yourself, you have to release some of those rules and stop doing these programs and be okay. Like try something and mess up and be okay with it. But that's like, that's really scary. Um, That's anxiety producing, right? We want to control everything. Okay. So how do you help people get past that initial? And we'll talk about what your, what your kind of approach is Mm -hmm. instead of this, but how do you help people get past that initial anxiety of if I do not have a structure like this, I am going to put back on all the weight. I'm going to not, I'm not going to be able to remain in control. How do you help them get past that? that Yeah. So the interesting thing is that we have to kind of look back at the plan first and be like, okay. So people always tell me like, I was so successful when I did whole 30. I was so successful when I did keto, but it's like, but what happened on day 31, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to think about the program as not just the time that you were doing it, but like the aftermath, like what happened after, you know, after you did the thing you binge, but we always like, we think that the binging is our fault. Like, um, we have no self-control, but being so restrictive is what causes that. Right. So it's, it's this weird, like you have to like shift the mindset of be like the, the, the restriction is what caused the binging the restriction doesn't solve the binging. And so we have to, like, you have to stop thinking about Whole30 as a success or keto as a success or whatever restrictive thing. Like you have to stop reinforcing that in your head because it didn't set you up for long-term success. It only works. It like, they work when you do them perfectly, but you like, life is not perfect. Like it is not. So like first steps is like, I, I think that it's helpful to have structure, a little bit of structure going in. Um, sometimes I read posts that are like, I, I, I differ from intuitive eating. So intuitive, intuitive eating, um, there's an amazing book written by some registered dietitians. Um, and it's not new. It's from like the 90s. Um, and the book was amazing. I read it mm, kind of after I got through all my food stuff. But like a lot of things that I see are just like, ah, just eat anything. And I'm like, that is terrifying. Mm. Like if you're coming from a place where you are very structured and you're a structured person, releasing 
everything and not doing mm -hmm. any structure feels terrifying. And I know that they're like, oh, like you'll learn different things, but it's like, I don't like, that doesn't feel good for me. Like I still have a life to live where I have to, I need to have energy in my body. And so like allowing myself to eat cake for breakfast is not like something that I want for myself. Yeah. So I focus on like, okay, you came from a very structured place. We're going to release control a little bit instead of like all, all of it. And I kind of think about like my experience in a classroom. So I was a kindergarten teacher and it's like, I, the way I approach kids, right? Like it, um, the beginning of the school year would kind of be pretty structured. Um, even when I'm teaching, I think about like, I do, like, I'm going to show you something we do. We're going to do it together. And then you do. So even in that I do, we do, you do, I'm gradually releasing control, mm -hmm. but I'm not like, Hey, five-year-olds go do this thing by yourself. No, like it's very slow and methodical. So I see the same thing with, um, with eating too. Like, cool. <laughs> you know, uh, whole 30 was, um, uh, vegetables, protein and fat. And it set you up in this fear, this, um, you have fear around carbs. You have fear about processed foods because all you know is binging on those foods. Okay, cool. We're actually going to practice eating those foods. So I set it up like we're going to eat plants. So I call it the three P's um, of imperfect eating. Um, we're going to eat plants. You know that you need vegetables. Like everyone needs vegetables. You know you need protein. Cool, those things. Now those foods that you fear, you fear pasta, we're going to start adding pasta to your meals. You fear um, chocolate, we're going to start practicing having a little bit of chocolate with a meal. But again, we're setting you, you're setting yourself up for success. You're not like in the past, right? Like when I was getting on the highway to get French fries, I hadn't eaten all day. I didn't set myself up for success. We have to make sure that you're eating the things that your body needs and then practice having um, a, like a fun food with it. And so you're still sticking with the, Hey, we're getting protein. We're yeah. getting some plants and we're going to add some of these other things in. Those things that are fun, right? Like that add joy. Um, they add a little bit of, you know, just so it's not this like, Oh, Oh, I'm just eating a salad again. It's like, okay, cool. What if we crunch up some Dorito chips on top of the salad or we put like a sprinkle of feta cheese, you know, just Something That's crazy. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're talking nonsense here. <laughs> but it's so crazy. You know, like, I don't know how many times they've had conversations where someone would be like, you know, I had been doing keto and I like for the first time I allowed myself to eat rice and it's wow. like, right? Like that can feel. And did you feel the weight of that? Like, wow, I'm having, I'm having rice. Like, was that like, Wow. I remember when I was like, um, oh, I'm eating pasta with my family. But yeah, like client, like this is great. Like I'm not, like I'm not being soupy, super judgy of other people. I'm literally just like partaking in this meal and it's not a big deal. Yeah. But for like two years, it was such a huge deal. And I, like, I was so judgy of people that were eating carbs. Like, oh my gosh, you know what you're doing in your body eating that, pasta? you know, like, mm -hmm. ugh. But yeah, so like I have clients that are like, you know, I eat, I ate like a fourth a cup or a half cup of rice with my meal and I can't believe it. Or a client that, um, what was it? Like, um, you know, those like RX uh, peanut butter packets. Mm -hmm. um, like, wow, I had one and there was honey in it and I was fine. Like it I was did, fine. You and know, I like, was fine. Yeah. I was like, right. There was like a teaspoon of honey and it turns out you're not addicted to sugar. 
um, you just had this mindset and someone like telling you constantly, like you're addicted to sugar, you're addicted to carbs, you can't have them. So you're believing that. And anytime you have one, it's again, a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then she was just like, wow, I had this peanut butter and everything was fine. The world's not come crashing down because of a teaspoon of honey. And I was like, is that a big part of the language of official whole 30? Like you are addicted to carbs. You are addicted to sugar. Is that a big piece of the language around that? I, you know, I feel like it is, especially in a lot of the like whole 30 communities. Got it. Yeah. It's like people, oh gosh. And then we'll get into like, there's like this fear of pleasure. I feel like sometimes like, interesting. I like, no, like if you, or like, mm, yeah, just like if you like sugar or you enjoy eating, you know, you enjoy this, like you're going to go overboard or also just like, like people who don't have sugar are morally superior. Like people who don't, mm. you know, process carbs are morally superior. I felt that a lot in the communities that I was in, but I, I also feel like, like now that I'm on the outside kind of looking in, I really do feel like it's like, these are people's favorite foods, but they're afraid to eat those foods because they, you know, they don't want to overeat. And this weird, just like, no, if I eat this, I'm a bad person. Yeah. Mm, so not- it comes from a it comes from a place of like morality about mm-hmm. food. And it also sounds like it comes from a place of real fear yes. about control, like that they don't have mm-hmm. control around this food. And so the choice is I just won't have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I remember I got an email from someone that was like, I just learned, I just realized I, there's just some foods that I can't have. And that's fine. Like, cause I think that I was in a place like that too. And I, like, I can't tell someone like, Oh, oh no, just, you know, but if that's where you have to be, um, maybe you'll get to a point you're like, actually, that's how I was like, actually, I really want to have pizza in my life. Um, my last whole 30 was February of 2016. We'd actually just moved to Atlanta and I finished the whole 30 and I was miserable the whole time because we were in a new city and I felt too afraid to go to any restaurant. So I literally mm. sat in my apartment. I was unemployed, had no friends. And I sat in our apartment for 30 days, just like, like, cool. Now I'm eating per- perfectly, but now I'm depressed because I can't go do anything. Like I'm afraid to go to Starbucks because what's in the creamer? Like, you know, like, oh, yeah. and so I sat there and we didn't do anything. And then I think like 10 days later we ordered a pizza and I hadn't had pizza in a long time. And I still had that mindset of like, if I eat pizza, I eat all the pizza. And so that's what happened. I had some pizza, I ate like half of an extra large pizza, went to the grocery store and I got like chips and like cake. And I remember eating this cake. It was like grocery store cake and be like, this is disgusting. Why am I eating this? And at the end of that weekend binge, I wasn't like, I, I was like, you know what? I don't think like whole 30 is what set me up for this. I have to, this, this perfect, this all or nothing, this black and white zero 100 is what set me up for this. I don't know what's in the middle. I cannot go back to whole 30 after this binge. I need to figure out how I'm going to start eating for the rest of my life. And so I was blogging at the time and I wrote like, I don't want to be, I don't want to have this identity of either I'm a binge eater or I'm a clean eater. Like I need to have something in the middle. And so I was writing, I was like, I'm going to teach myself how to have a little bit of pizza without having a lot of it of pizza. And so that became my goal. And at the time, like when I would try to look up like 
moderation or I was in like different communities, weight loss communities and people would be like, just do moderation, like everything in moderation. I was like, cool, but you're not teaching me how to do moderation. You're just saying to do moderation. Mm -hmm. And that's a very specific skill set that comes with a really big mindset component, right? Because people are not prepared for that after a lifetime of these restrictive diets or I'm just eating anything I want. That navigating the middle takes a whole lot of mental strategy and practice. Mm-hmm. What do you and, think are some of the key mental components that help a person begin to be able to do that? I think that that has to be your goal. Like you have to say to yourself, like I have to figure out, I'm going to figure this out, right? Like, and I think part of it is like, I'm going to put weight loss on the shelf right now trust myself that I'm not going to gain 50 pounds from learning how to eat a slice of pizza. Like just mm. trust yourself. And, and that's hard. Like I, I, that sentence is annoying. Just trust yourself. Like how, how do I trust myself? But the way that you, because trust I yourself, don't, because yeah. I don't, but the way yeah. you trust yourself again is you set your, you set yourself up for success and you expose yourself to a little bit of challenges. It's the same thing that I would do in a classroom. I'm going to set my students up for success. We're going to do the things that they know how to do. And then I'm going to give them something a little bit challenging. It's not a lot. It's not a lot of bit challenging. They're going to fail. I think about this, like a kindergartner, you would, you would never give a kindergartner a high school level text and be like, here, five-year-old, read this, right? right. Like, you wouldn't do that. You're going to give them something that is, so it's called ZPD, Zone of Proximal Development. You're going to mm-hmm. give them something that is just a little bit out of their reach. And then you're going to like hold their hand and help them through it. And that's what we have to do as adults when we're like trying something that you have to do small things. And so for me, like having pizza, I was like, I, I don't feel safe ordering an extra large pizza, but I was like, I need to practice eating pizza. So every Friday I called it pizza Friday, every Friday I would make a single serving pizza with like this lavash bread from Trader Joe's or sometimes I would like cut a pita bread in half and I would make like two two pizzas with pita bread but it was like I was practicing eating pizza and like being like look you just ate pizza and you didn't binge and that's the other thing too like when you ask like what what does someone have to do how do you make that mindset shift that like like literally saying to myself in my head or I was blogging or writing, sometimes I have my client's journal, like write this stuff out. You have to make it, you have to make yourself aware of these things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just like, oh, whatever. But like, you have to say like, look, I just ate pizza and I didn't binge. I just ate a serving of pizza. And I would always say have it with, with again, plants protein. I would always have a giant salad with like herbal eggs or chicken or whatever. So I'm getting full with both of these things. But like, you have to, you have to tell yourself what you're learning. Um, You have to make it obvious that this is the thing that you're learning. And again, these are the same things I would do in a classroom. At the end of a lesson, we're, let's talk about what we learned, because sometimes it might not be that obvious to you of what it is that you learned, but just saying it at the end of a lesson, it's like, oh yeah, oh, you're right. I did learn that. I did learn that thing. And then the next day I would teach you a lesson. Hey, remember yesterday when you learned this thing? Okay, cool. We're going to build on it. That's the same thing that we have to do for ourselves as adults. And it's hard because we, I think sometimes we're like, no, this is just how I was raised. This, you know, we don't think that we're capable of learning new things, but that's not Mm -hmm. true. Mm -hmm. This is just how I am. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
So I heard a couple of really powerful things there that I just think are so, so very important. One is the idea that we approach this as practice. Like Mm -hmm. I am practicing this Mm -hmm. and we don't have to be perfect at it. It's not like we're getting it wrong. And this is something I talk to my clients about all the time. Like you have spent, I, I work with a lot of people who have, you know, a lot like you do, who have dieted and dieted and dieted. So they've done it in a way that, you know, um, has been one way for so long and they're trying to unlearn that. And so we look at it as practice, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's really key is like, I don't have to be, I don't have to be great at this right out of the gate. I'm just going to practice. And the other is that you said is really like noticing what went well and like taking those wins. So like yeah. if you eat, if you eat pizza and then you don't binge afterwards, that's massive. Like that's yeah. a huge win. And really piling up those wins and building that confidence. I'm like, wow, look where I am now that I wasn't two weeks ago. Look at the things I can do. Look at the choices I can make so that, you know, that they're building their self-efficacy. Like I can trust myself, right? Because, you know, we don't, I don't think intuitive eating is all that intuitive. I think it's a skill that can be built. And I think it comes from a lot of little wins like this built up over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Exactly. Everything you said, it's like, we have, we've been practicing being a yo-yo dieter for 35 mm-hmm. years. So you have, you know, 35 We're years. We're really good it. at it. Yeah. <laughs> you have evidence of like, you are, yeah, you're really good at being at zero or being at a hundred. Mm-hmm. So now you have to practice and like start creating your list of evidence of like, actually this place in the middle um, you're getting better at it. And I also like the word balance. Sometimes we're like, Oh, but my meals aren't perfectly balanced like yours. And I, and I'm like, well, the thing about balance too, is like, if you think about someone, um, so if you're balancing on one foot, right. When you, if you have never done anything, any kind of balance work and you're on one foot, you're going to be teetering a lot to the left and to the right. And you're probably going to fall over. Right. You're going to, you, you, you haven't developed that strength in your ankle to balance. But if you literally practice balancing for one minute a day, you're going to get better and you're not teetering as much. You don't have these big giant swings and your, your ankle's getting stronger. And now when you're balancing to the outside, like, it's just like, oh, look, they're just standing there. But like, you know, that like you have had to go through this, like your muscles moving to the left and to the right a little bit over and over, but like you, the first day you fell over. And that's the, the hard part is that when you are like, okay, cool, I'm going to try to do imperfect eating. I'm going to try to do moderation. I'm going to try to do this thing in the middle. You might fall over and binge, but you can't tell yourself, see, I got to go back to that, you know, perfect clean eating. You have to be like, okay. Um, maybe give myself a little bit of compassion. Maybe, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, you don't learn to do something, um, in one day that you've been practicing the opposite of for 35 years. So, you know, what didn't go, you know, what, what happened, right? Oh crap. I didn't eat anything all day long. And then my husband brought home a pizza. Maybe it's not me. That's the problem. It's not my lack of self-control. It's just that I didn't, I didn't do those things that my body needed. Like I didn't eat anything all day long. I was actually super, super hungry and ate this thing. Um, I also like to think of too, like you were trying to do something kind for your body. You were trying to fill your hunger, 
it just didn't work out exactly as you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to practice it again and it's okay. Yes. Yes. I love that. Yeah. I love how you use the words imperfect eating. Mm-hmm. It's, I just really like that concept and that, that imperfect eating can be enough to help us get to the goals we want, whether that's weight loss, whether that's just feeling healthy, whatever it is that imperfect eating can get us there is a real revelation to a lot of people. You know, that the idea that you can eat pizza with a salad, like that's kind of mind boggling for some of my clients. You know, I went, I was in New York city yesterday and the day kind of got away from us and I had to get in my car and drive and I had to go to the bathroom and I had to get food and it needed to happen fast. So I went to McDonald's Mm -hmm. and I got myself a salad and some fries and a burger and it was all good. You know, I had my vegetables, I had some meat and I enjoyed those hot fries. Um, you know, and people are always like mind boggled by that. Like, wow. And for me, like, you know, I don't eat at McDonald's. I can't tell you the last time I ate at McDonald's, but just because I was at McDonald's did not mean I didn't need, want, um, or could have vegetables. Like they have them there. I got some and it's all good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed every bite of my salad and every bite of my French fries. Right. And so it's like, wait, she allowed herself to eat French fries and she enjoyed them. And then I posted a picture of myself doing it. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, you know, we, um, that was the kindest thing that you could do for your body at that point. Like telling yourself like, Oh, I can't eat. It's McDonald's. I'll just wait seven hours. Like, okay. But like, you're going to be lightheaded or like dizzy. Like that's not the kindest thing. Um, and going in and being like, Hey, I'm at McDonald's. I'm just getting fries and I'm getting a burger. And that's, that's it. Like the fact that a person could get a salad there, it really surprises people like, Whoa, like I can eat a burger and a salad. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were on a road trip um, in December into January, and there was a time that the roads were just blocked. Like it was like New Mexico, and there was like all of this snow. They don't have plows, they don't have salt trucks, and so we were on the um, the road, and for a really long time. And by the time we got off, we were able to get off. There was a gas station where everyone else was getting off, um, and there was this gas station had like no food. There was nothing there. And also there were no restaurants in sight. And so I know in the past I'd have been like, see Jacqueline, you should have packed more snacks. You should have, you know, you messed Mm. up all of these. You should have like whatever. And it, but really it was just like, all right, I'm going to do the best that I can with what's here. And so it was like, I think I got like a bottle of water and I got um, like a protein bar and some nuts you know, and none of like, none of that is vegetables. There's like ingredients in the protein bar that I can't read. And you know what happens? Like nothing. Nothing. We got in the car and we, you know, sat in traffic for another seven hours. But like, there wasn't this, I didn't have to be like, oh, like you messed up. Like all of that, those mean things that we say to ourselves, we think that that's going to motivate us to do better next time. But all it does Mm -hmm. is that, it, that creates distrust in ourselves, right? Like we want to create trust in ourselves. All of that mean stuff that we say to ourselves is like, see, you messed up. Like you can't do anything right. Like, but you can't, you cannot shame yourself into being a better person. And so for you going to McDonald's or me stopping at a gas station, it's like, all right, I did the best that I can. Okay. Moving on with life. Um, but we think that being kind to ourselves is like, no, you're going to let yourself down. You're not going to mm-hmm. achieve your goals. But it's like, really, I am the healthiest and happiest that I've ever been since I stopped being so extreme about food. Like, 
And yeah. I think that's a revelation to people that you can be happy and healthy without being extreme and without, um, you know, without beating yourself up, mm-hmm. that you can actually do this in a way that's kind and it actually works way better than trying to beat your body into submission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's hard for people to see. So tell us a little bit more about the three P's, the three yeah. P's of imperfect eating. And the three P's. So yeah, we're always going to start out with plants. And I like to be like, even just that, um, the gas station example like that. If you think about like what foods you're probably missing or like myself, like when I was eating fried Oreos, it's like, I literally just needed to be eating more vegetables. Like I, I wish someone had just told me that like, Jacqueline, you don't have to do whole 30, just start eating more vegetables. Also the, this is what protein is, you know? This is where you find protein. Protein is in meat. Protein is in eggs. Protein is in like a protein shake um, or beans or like different things like that. I wish someone had just told me those things instead of like, you have to do this perfect thing. But so I like, when I'm building a plate, I'm always looking for what plants can I get? What vegetables usually? But also I say plants because on something like a road trip, you might not have, you know, you might not be able to bring vegetables, but if you can have something that's like a banana or an apple, like it's easy um, to get, you know, uh, to travel with, to transport. Um, But usually when I'm building a plate, so I'm going to have vegetables and then I'm going to look for a serving of protein. So usually like my palm size, right? Or if I'm getting eggs, it'll be like two eggs. Or if I'm really hungry, it might be three eggs. Um, and then a little bit of processed food. So the last P is a little bit of processed fun food. So that might be um, like Doritos. Like, are we getting a lot of nutrients from Doritos? No. But is it fun? Yeah. Like they they make a salad. When I have a salad that has like crunched up, like two or three crunched up Doritos on it, it tastes a lot more fun. The textures. Mm-hmm the colors of the plate, um, it makes the meal more enjoyable. And then it also has that, that like, uh, underlying thing of like, I have to practice the foods that I used to binge on. Mm. I have to practice having these things and normalize them. Um, a lot of people say that they really struggle with moderation. I think that that's like the number one thing I see people say like, well, I'm not good at moderation. But it's like when you do a diet, the first thing a diet tells you to do, remove all processed foods, get rid of them, get rid of these things. And it's like, well, no wonder we bitch on them. We never, we never practice eating them. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to do a diet. Okay. So I'm never going to buy Girl Scout cookies. And then it's like, oh crap, I bought Girl Scout cookies. Okay. I'm going to eat 17 of them. No, like (laughs) a serving size of Girl Scout cookies, like, like two to four cookies. Um, isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's the sad. But also, I went through a period where I was like, I was really methodical about like practicing eating a serving of Girl Scout cookies every night. You know, so like Whole Thirties, like don't um, don't eat uh, dessert. I went through a period where I practiced eating a serving of dessert every single night, um, and like looked at what what does a serving of this look like. And, and it was like purely like for fun, right? Like Girl Scout cookies, again, you're not getting a lot of nutrients, but when I think about processed fun food, I'm eating them for fun. I'm eating them, um, to add a little bit of excitement to my day a little bit. I don't think that all of your joy in life should come from food. Again, if it, if it is, there's probably something in your life, but again, you can see like, huh? Every night I come home and I have to drink a bottle of wine. Every night I come home and I have to, you know, 
eat 17 Girl Scout cookies, that's not a sign that you're a failure. That's a sign like there's something going on in your life that right. um, this is the only source of joy. But yeah, so I went through periods where I'm practicing eating those. So anytime that I'm like, when I go to my fridge and I'm like, what am I going to eat today? I'm like, oh, what plants can I eat? What protein can I eat? And then also that means when I go grocery shopping, my list, I write out, I write out like three P's at the top, P1, P2, P3. And I'll be like, okay, you know, we're going to have, I'm, I usually just eat a salad for lunch because it's easy. I don't have to think about it, but I'm like, what, what plants do I want for my salad this week? Do I want romaine? Do I want mixed greens? Okay, cool. What protein do I need? Am I going to do hard boiled eggs? Am I going to do a rotisserie chicken? Um, what process fun thing am I going to, will I put on? Oh, you know, like, oh, I should get that salad dressing, that one I like, or like, oh yeah, we're out of feta, let's get some of that. So as I'm building my grocery list, I'm going through these things. I make my grocery list and my meal plan for the week in like five minutes. Like it, there's very little thought. It's just automatic. Mm -hmm. And, um, but also I enjoy every meal. Like I like the salads that I'm making. They're colorful, they're fun. Like I like all the food that I'm eating. Why is that important? That is so important, but I don't know that people realize why is it important that we find pleasure in our food, even and especially if we're dieting? Like, Mm -hmm. why is that important? Yeah. um, We don't do the things that we don't like. (laughs) We have to like the things that we're doing. And again, like if you're trying to lose weight, you have to eat in a way that you like, or you will not I mean, like you could just like, just don't eat, like just, you know, just have a protein shake for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, find zero joy with food, but, but it's, you know, you're not going to stick with it. I think that we think like, I'll just discipline myself to not find joy in food. Um, you're not going to stick with it. You'll stick with it for a little bit and you'll gain whatever weight back. So yeah, like I, I'm okay with saying, um, Food adds, joy, food adds joy to my life. Like when we talk about emotional eating, we usually think about just stress eating, mm-hmm. but like when, but emotions are a lot of different things. And, um, food, when I get my salad, it does bring a little bit of happiness to my life or, um, and that's okay. And I think that's people okay. struggle with that, you know, like that, you know, there's this big idea that some people have that food is fuel yeah. and it is. But that is not all that food is. You know, that food can and should be pleasurable, even when you're trying to lose weight, is really surprising to people. But, you know, it really lends itself to long-term sustainability and a healthy relationship with food, knowing like, yeah, of course I'm trying to fuel my body, but I'm not a car. It's not just fuel. It's also pleasure and fun. And that's okay. I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, I was a little bit sad about something and I made a plate, made a plate. I put watermelon on one of my dishes. Watermelon is one of my favorite foods. Like I love summer. And also I was usually using my favorite dish. This dish, like when you think about the, oh, what was that? The, does this spark joy? Oh yeah, yeah. When I eat from this dish, it sparks joy. It's one of my favorite dishes you know, I like pleasure. Like this is fun for me eating from this plate. You know, that sounds really silly, but like, I don't know when we were little, we all had like our favorite cup or whatever. Yeah, right? It's okay to have a favorite food. It's okay to have a favorite plate. It's okay to feel fun or joy or happiness or pleasure. Um, 
and it, do, it doesn't make you a bad person. I know I was reading some like minimalist blog blogs and they were like, food is just fuel. I don't take pleasure in eating vegetables. I eat them because they're good for me. And I was like, well, you must not, not know how to make vegetables in a way that tastes good. Because, uh, yeah. Like I like we grill, like, especially now it's summer, like we grill a ton and the vegetables I make taste delicious. I look forward to eating them. My husband looks forward to them. Like it's okay to feel happiness about the food you're eating. I agree. Like a tomato that just came out of the garden oh is amazing. Gosh. Right. I know I, my husband said to me the other day, I've been really digging the corn on the cob we've been getting recently because it's just so fresh and delicious. And he said to me, he's like, are you going to say this literally every time we eat corn on the cob for the next six weeks. Cause apparently I couldn't stop talking about how crunchy and delicious this corn was. He's yeah. like, do you know, you've said that like every time we've had corn in the past couple of weeks. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess I'm going to keep saying it because you know, we vegetables can be pleasurable. Yes, they can. And you know what else too is like when I, when you were talking about the tomato, like I was picturing like when you grow your own tomatoes, they're so red and juicy like you get them through grocery store and they're kind of pink yeah and I was like oh my gosh I love homegrown tomatoes and then also I think about like all the work like I've never grown them myself myself but when my mom has grown them I think about the work she puts into it right and the time and the care and like the pride and it's like when you're eating food, like someone took the time to grow those things. And those were like their little baby that they were creating and then like giving. And so like, it's okay. It, the, there's a book, the love languages, the five love languages. Mm -hmm. Like for some people making food is their love language. And it's also okay to receive a gift, to receive food and enjoy eating it. It's okay. Yeah. And, but yeah, there's so much of like, no, we shouldn't, you know, uh, okay, well, you, you know, you go live your miserable life, but <laughs> I enjoy it. But I'm going to enjoy my garden vegetables. Yeah. Full disclosure, I do not garden. I don't want anybody mm. to be under the impression that I do. <laughs> I just have been really smart about making friends who garden and oh. give me their produce. <laughs> so, yeah. so yum and no work. I love that. So, let me ask you this. I love talking to my guests who come on about the training that they do personally. Um, I want people to be inspired by what other people love and maybe take something from it for themselves. So what do you like to do to move your body? Like what's your jam? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I, I love running. It's like when I, you talk to most personal trainers, they're like, ah, running, um, you're not gonna, you know, you look at runners bodies versus someone who lifts, but it's like, I don't run to get a specific body type. I run because it, it makes me happy. It like challenges me and I do long distance running. I'm training for my fourth marathon right now. Fantastic. Um, and it's like, it's so hard, but it's like, it's fun. Like, I what guess, do you love about it? You just, I think there's a couple things. One, like being out in nature and like seeing sights or like being out in your neighborhood and you go to places that your car will not take you. You go to places that no one else, unless they're running or walking sees. And so we're in Chicago right now and it's like, I got, there's like one of these parks that's just off the lake that you can only get to if you are walking, your car cannot get to it. And it's like this secret place that I didn't know about until I became a runner. And I, like, I love that. Um, and then also the community, like when I started training with, um, like groups of people, like you'll be on like a three hour long run and you'll just start talking about like, like 
craziest things from your life, but like you're in this really crazy time and place with someone that you just like start talking and so you start to create like really strong friendships right off the bat. And so I love that too. Like, right. Like it's, and I also like, like, this is not about a calorie burn. I'm not looking when I like finish a run, I'm not looking how many calories did I burn? I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, that was so great. I feel so good. I feel so strong. I feel mentally strong from this. I also started, um, there, when I first started running, I was listening to podcasts. So like that was one of the ways that I got myself into running was like, Ooh, I'm going to listen. It was when serial, the podcast serial was big. I'm going to listen to, you know, I get to listen to my episode of serial. And I only, I saved that for running. So I love those things. Um, I also, um, cannot just run. I went through that is the beginning of where I was only running and I got hurt. And so strength mm. training is so important. I actually go to a gym now. And so I focus a lot on like getting stronger, but for me, Um, I kind of, I'm like, this is just where my body is. I lost weight and I just, I made this like mental decision of like, I am not going to keep trying to lose weight, but I am going to move my body, exercise my body because I feel good and I like feeling strong. Mm. And so strength training, um, I'm also like, uh, I had to go to a physical therapist for my niece. And now I'm like, I have to do my physical therapy exercises. Like I have to. And then also I'm big into neat. Uh, like anytime that I can get up and move my body. So I think of that too, like, of like me walking from the kitchen to the living room or like taking 15 minute breaks or taking the dog for a walk. Anytime I can move my body naturally um, in my day instead of just sitting at my computer, um, which is, not where I was, uh, before I always, I was like, you know, I was an elliptical girl. Like, weren't we all? Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes, we were. (laughs) I'm on here for 10 minutes and I hate this. Okay. I'll keep going. And you're just like really not doing anything. There was no joy in being, there was no joy in being on the elliptical and it wasn't doing anything for me, but now it's like combining all of these things. I love um, I love movement and I wasn't an athlete growing up at all. Um, so and do you, do you define yourself as an athlete now? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I do. It's a weird thing. Cause it's like, well, I'm never going to win anything, but it's like, um, no, like I move my body a lot. Like I think I can. Yeah. Well, hey, I don't think athletes are just people who are going to win anything. (laughs) I never grew up as an athlete either. And it wasn't until I was in my 40s that like, I'm like, whoa, like this is kind of my thing now. Like I am an athlete and I do like to train and yeah, and I love that. I love it. Like it makes me happy and it, it, Mm -hmm. it really does bring me a great deal of joy. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation and I think it's going to help a lot of people. Before we go, let's do a speed round. You ready? Oh gosh. You ready oh gosh. to go fast? <laughs> okay. Just first answer that comes to your head. Ready? Okay. Your favorite way to relax? Mm, reading a book. Oh, most recent book that you've read that you love? Oh, I'm reading Atomic Habits right now. Oh, I love that book. Oh, so I love good. everything about that book. Yeah. Okay. Massage or bubble bath? Massage. Most exotic place you've traveled? Moons is Thailand for three weeks for our honeymoon. Ooh. Okay. Most exciting thing you did there? Oh, we we walked with elephants at an elephant sanctuary. Ooh, that's so neat. Place you'd like to go but haven't yet visited. Ooh, Hawaii. Ooh, yeah. Love (laughs) it there. Okay. Favorite workout clothes? 
Um, <laughs> I wear uh, like compression shorts to hold in my thighs and um, just a tank top. And your favorite word. Oh my gosh. Imperfect. Or a favorite. Imperfect. Yeah. I love that. It releases so much pressure and it actually, you're able to do so much more when you're like, cool, things are just going to be imperfect instead of being like, no, oh, it has to be perfect. It, yeah. Perfectionism prevents you from accomplishing anything. I so believe that. I love that. That may be my favorite word that anybody on here has said <laughs> is their favorite word. Is it imperfect? I just... It's a philosophy that I just so embrace yeah. that imperfect is good enough and imperfect should be the goal. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on, Jacqueline. This has been fantastic. I so appreciate the work that you do. Oh my gosh, Kim. Thank you so much. This is great. All right. We will talk again soon. Great. Thanks so much for being here and listening in to the Fitness Simplified podcast today. I hope you found it educational, motivational, inspirational, all the kinds of ational. <laughs> if you enjoyed it, if you found value in it, it would mean so much to me if you would go ahead and leave a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening to this on. It really does help to get this podcast to other people. Thanks so much.